Hey guys, Coatsy here with a small announcement from the MDAD team. Some people have asked us how they can support the show, but as we approach the end of season one, we didn't want to set up something like a Patreon or a monthly subscription if we couldn't deliver on consistent value in between sessions. So what we've done is we've set up a Ko-Fi page, which lets people make one-off contributions. So if you do want to make a contribution, you can go to www.ko-fi.com slash mysterydungeonsanddarkrise. We're totally happy to continue putting out the pod for free, but with any production we do have various costs like recording equipment, editing software, licenses, and of course, dice to pay for. There's obviously no obligation to do anything, of course. We've been doing this podcast for over two years now and there's no sign of us stopping anytime soon. But if you are interested, there's a link in the episode description. Right, let's get started. I still maintain the fact that giraffes should not be animals. No, they don't deserve it. They don't don't deserve it, (laughs) fucking hell. They just look weird. Welcome to the next episode of Mystery Dungeons and Dark Rise, a Pokemon role-playing adventure and the tale of two young trainers as they journey together through the Yume region. I'm Coatsy and I am your Pokemon Dungeon Master. I'm Jack, I play Felix, a shy but stubborn boy who is still heartbroken after the events of the last episode and part of him now just wants to watch the world burn, especially Team Nightmare. I'm Chris, I play Chuck, he's the son of a nurse Joy who moved from Pewter City to the Yume region. He's feeling pretty similar to Felix, actually. He's barely said a word since the events of uh, events of Full Moon Island, which is pretty something for him. So, I can't believe he did that to us, Coatsy. Yeah, that was mean. Well, you know, you needed something to put you both Who hurt in you? place. <laughs> Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? You have been hurt. Everybody. <laughs> um, so, what's the quest? What's question? Question time for this episode. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a question for you. I was thinking about it on the drive back before we uh, came over is there a particular moment or even arc or a couple of run of episodes that if you could go back you would do differently now Ooh. Ooh. is there something that you wrote that at the time you thought this is fantastic and then when you kind of it kind of came to playing it or editing it or putting the episode out you're like mm, maybe i this should have done up. this or that no i would say no it's ev- been fantastic to play, everything but... i've written has been fantastic uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably the start those first few episodes probably could have been a bit more i can't listen to it yeah at all. but we were breaking Torrid. in we were learning yeah. none of us had really played so i'll let us off but i've not listened to episode two to five for maybe a year see yeah. episode one i think is actually really good episode one's great it sounds crap like I our sound quality is awful it. but remaster it remaster episode it, one. Yeah. in 10 years time we can bring it out for the put a new soundtrack on it ultra hd sound i was listening to i randomly put on episode two the other day i was like Ugh. a this sounds shit b there's no music at all was it, it was, not? Just, I was lazy it was yeah. just like well this <laughs> bit there's nothing really happening we're just having a chat so i won't bother I, you were fully unemployed as well you had all the time in the world my full-time job was the pod the only reason why chris started editing the pod is because i was editing it while doing a full-time job during lockdown You're taking too long i didn't have the time and chris just kept pestering me and i messaged jack and i was just like i'm just if he asked me one more time i'm just gonna get to fucking do it himself <laughs> well, chris's full-time job was wake up at 10 o'clock have a gin by 12 yeah. Oh, that was the that was the day. 
Right, lockdown was great. Lockdown, I missed lockdown. <laughs> lockdown was great. Right, who's doing the recap? You. Uh-oh. I can do it if you want, but <laughs> no, I think it's your turn. I'm not allowed <laughs> to do recaps anymore, apparently, because mine are always shit. Oh, well, we went there, then Ooh, we went uh, there, and then we were done. <laughs> Brief. Boomer evolved. The, he did a thing. To the point. End of. I evolved something else. Ugh. <laughs> I've got an Empoleon. <laughs> oh, I'd rewrite that. I would change the Pokemon <laughs> I put in that fishing episode. Biggest mistake Why in the Why does pod. it irk you so much? Uh, Jack was supposed to catch it. <laughs> okay, so last time we found ourselves coming out of the nasty, nasty storm with Duke, the gym leader. Uh, although you weren't, with, you weren't with Duke, the gym leader, when you woke up in a cave on Full Moon Island, you left the cave and Cresselia showed up and was all like, oh my god, it's you two. And then Team Nightmare <laughs> showed up and went to take on you and Cresselia. And then they let off this little device that attached itself to Boomer and Pratchett. And they took control of your favourite starter Pokemon. Ooh! And then you had to fight them, Dick. Listen listen to the tone in his voice as well, Chris. Such glee still. Mm. I thought it was a genius move. It was. It was. It, it, was, it wasn't I mean, good to play. Story, it added drama. Painful. Anyway, so uh, Boomer and Pratchett ended up being knocked out. You defeated Team Nightmare with the help of Duke, who showed up with his Velotic. And then, just as Team Nightmare were... Oh, no, Duke got knackered, didn't he? Duke got beaten. He got beat the fuck up. Duke, Duke, yeah. Duke held off Freuder, and then Freuder beat Duke, much like Amber Heard beat Johnny Depp. <laughs> and then... Then we all had a mega pint. And then she went to use the same device on Cresselia, and just before... The neck bracer clamped around Cresselia's neck. Cresselia managed to teleport all of you away to the mainland. And that is pretty much where we ended the episode. So they've got Darkrai and Cresselia. We're pretty much fucked and we can't fight them anymore because they're just going to take our Pokemon. Shit. Yeah, it's not looking good, is it? Not looking good at all. I think we need a couple more gym badges to level up. A couple more? We've only got one, only left. one left, isn't there? Is there one left? Good. <laughs> Good, because they're rubbish. Right. It's been a while since you left Port Nori, and the sun is already starting to lower as you leave the Lucid Plains and enter the northeast mountain valleys. You follow a route which lies next to a small river and sits at the base of two tall hills. The one to your left is covered in green grass, and the one to your right is more rocky, with rubble at the base and covering the floor. As the sun beams down on you, it's like a direct contrast to the last few days of your adventure in the storm. So what are your thoughts as you're heading on on your journey? Like I said earlier, Chuck's not really been talking that much, even to Felix, and either him, himself and Boomer have felt like a bit of a disconnect lately so they've, they've not really been making too much eye contact he's with he's with her and he wants to kind of try and rebuild that sort of trust and, and everything as well and even though that he knows that she knew there was nothing else he could do in that situation it still just feels a little bit awkward between the two it's like she got drunk and she cheated on you <laughs> oh. <laughs> boomer naughty girl i'm sorry i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> you offered me a kebab <laughs> it's, it would take less than a kebab <laughs> How's Felix? What's Felix up to? His little mind of minds. 
Yeah, Felix is the same. He's very introspective at the moment. Uh, obviously still going on this journey with Chuck and Boomer with them side by side. Obviously he ended up having to take a few hot shots at Boomer as well to try and help out and, and calm things down as quickly as possible. So Felix is yeah feeling the same as Chuck, but also kind of has a little bit of a, a burden that not only was he having to attack Pratchett to try and calm things down and get things back to normal but also having to go against like his best friend and their partner Pokemon as well so he's very he's almost regressed to how he was at the beginning of the story so very calm closed off sort of not making physical contact with anybody or really saying anything it's more sort of nods and head shakes and things like that when you know if we're asking to stop or whatever but he's got Pratchett out at the moment in the grass on uh, walking up and down the grassy path uh, in the sunshine just to try and help make him feel a little bit better well as you're walking in silence a loud cry fills the air and it's coming from the direction in front of you just like sort of if you follow the river boomer sort of hears this and her sort of gaze goes from she was previously just trudging along looking at the floor her face just snaps up and she doesn't wait for chuck's instruction or anything like that and just basically takes off and flies towards the sound yeah pratchett seeing boomer fly off speeds up a little bit starts to get a bit of momentum like a massive i'm trying to think i'm trying to think how a torterra would run i just imagine it like a really big heavy slow horse just really really like making the ground shake blop, 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 blop. i think it would trot like do a bit of dressage yeah pratchett definitely would actually yeah okay chuck's trying to run along after her just said like wait hold up so you follow the sound of the scream and just past a small mound of rubble, you see a wooden bridge over the little river. The small girl with bright blue hair in the middle. A blue serpent-like Pokemon is cowering at her feet. And either side of the bridge are two slightly older looking boys, each with a Pokemon at their feet. And you recognize Trapinch and Gibble. Yeah. Ooh. Both of the Pokemon are chomping at the wooden bridge, causing it to shake as the girl holds on to the side for dear life. <gasps> is she on the bridge? Is she like in the middle of the bridge? Okay. So these people, these boys are basically bullying her to make the bridge break and fall into the depths below. However you perceive it. The boom is just going to have landed in front of one of the guys uh, that's closest to Chuck and Felix, and Chuck, I guess, is going to sort of catch up to her. Okay. So that'll be on like the left side of the bridge where there's a like a yeah. rocky path amongst a, like a load of grass that you've been following. Yeah. And Chuck's just gonna shout to the guy guys, hey, what's going on here? One of the guy the, the guy with the trap inch who's in front of Boomer just turns to look at you and he's like, Keep your nose out, fatty. <laughs> fatty <laughs> And his trap his trap inch just like snaps its jaw shut in Boomer's direction. Felix catches up at this point with Pratchett pretty much side by side at this point immediately sort of surveys the scene and just pictures this as a scene of bullying basically and he's not about that life so he catches up <laughs> to love Chuck love hand. he catches up to Chuck gives him a look for the first time in a while and kind of says we need to teach these boys a lesson yeah no fucking around here so Chuck nods at Felix and turns to Boomer and says come on girl let's let's teach these guys a lesson and before Chuck, Chuck sort of goes to uh, to clamber onto Boomer, but she already takes off and lands on the other side of the bridge. So Chuck is like on the other, the wrong side of the bridge to her, and she's seemingly just gonna take this on her own accord. <laughs> so she snarls down at the gib uh, at the gibble, remembering how annoying Mako was as a little gibble, 
growls and snorts and smoke smoke out of her nostrils and just unleashes a flamethrower. <laughs> okay. Felix and Pratchett seeing Boomer take off to the other side of the bridge where the gibble is. Pratchett just starts to stomp very menacingly towards the trap inch, just staring it down. And you can just kind of see the bush on its back and its shell starts to grow a little bit more verdant. Doesn't unleash any attacks or anything yet, but is just absorbing all the light it can, ready to initiate some sort of attack on this trap inch. Trap inch. As the flamethrower is released, yeah, roll to hit. It's a concentrated blast. Not 20. <laughs> what a start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> roll damage. Big burn. Oh, I don't even know what the damage is now. So it's 60, 10. Oh, it'd be hard though, won't it? Dragon ground. It gets fire. Not with elemental adept, it's not. So it does 49 fire damage and a burn. Right, well, this flamethrower just comes out of nowhere for the kid who wasn't expecting Boomer to attack quite so quickly. But Gibble takes it. Oh. Once the flames stop, Gibble is still there chomping away at thin air at that point. And um, the little kid goes, Come on, Tabby. Let's go get this guy. Tabby. 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 Come on, Tabby. Let's go get this guy. Tabby the Gibble. And then, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Oh. And then Tammy turns around from the other side of the bridge and goes, You're right, Jammy. We're going to get this guy. I'm going to take this one on. I'll get him. <laughs> Tammy and <laughs> Jammy. Tammy and Jammy. <laughs> so just change a letter, right? <laughs> it's roll initiative. Chris, you're going last. Okay. <laughs> Can't wait for Tammy and Jammy. 12 for me. And after shouting at his friends, Jammy and Gibble shout for an attack. And Gibble jumps in the air. It's claw lighting purple as it does it and it takes a wild slash at boomer and just misses and just starts to (laughs) spin in the air and then just falls straight to the ground underneath boomer's feet felix is still feeling a bit upset about the events of the last episode and he really wants to try and restore some of the bond that he had with Pratchett. It's not it's not gone away, but it's obviously it's just one of those awkward things. It's just like a bit it's just a bit awkward between them. So he looks at Pratchett, sort of slaps him on the hide, playfully, not aggressively, and says, Rumps him. Come on, buddy. I know you've got this. Let's help this little girl out. Hit that trap inch with an energy ball. Pratchett, as he was walking up this grassy path, was kind of feeling a bit more grounded and absorbing some of the sunlight, starting to feel a little bit better in himself. Manages to absorb enough nutrients and is also a bit peeved at seeing these Pokemon try and what appears to be send this poor girl down into an abyss. So he absorbs all he can, shakes up a big old energy ball and launches it straight at the trap inch's open maw. And it smacks straight in the middle of its mouth, doing... 24 grass damage, doubled to 48. And as the green, dusty mist from the energy ball disperses, a trap inch flies out of it towards Pratchett. (laughs) And it hits the ground just short, and then you just hear this rumble, and you feel this rumble in the ground as trap inch uses earthquake. Oh, hello. Pratchett's going to make a... Moving about check. A moving about check. Uh, that is a natural 19, though, so 24. Yeah, that'll pass. <laughs> yeah, that'll pass. Yeah, that'll pass. Yeah, Pratchett has a little bit of an advantage when the earthquake hits. Obviously, being a big, heavy, groundy boy, 
seeing this trap inch just kind of slam into the floor. Pratchett's able to just dig his claws into the ground and stable himself, uh, stabilize himself quite well to negate most of the impact of this earthquake. So it's going to be 33 damage and then halved for passing the evasion check. So that will be 16 and then halved again for resistance. So eight. So eight damage. Tammy and Jammy not looking as happy as they were when they were chomping <laughs> on that bridge. <laughs> Tammy, hold in there. Jammy, you too. Let's get these trainers. <laughs> why, why do all the kid trainers that you do, why are they all just so trainers. obnoxious? <laughs> just, I just want to hurt them. They're probably older than you as well. Like, if you think <laughs> yeah. about it. That's a good point, yeah. Trainers. Chuck looks at Jammy and says, we don't like little shits like you before. You're nothing but dirt in our shoes. Says to Boomer, all right, girl, I know you're angry. I get it. Put that rage to use. Dragon rage. Okay. She's just going to blast it out there. Yep. So evasion check, please. 30. No. So it's 20 dragon damage. Double 40. Takes it. Takes it. Jesus Christ, how big is this gibble? Takes it. Massive gibble. Chunky gibble. This gibble is a honker. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. Boomer's eyes narrow and just you see this massive ball of purple energy build up inside her mouth. She rears back and then just launches it, just not in any sort of general direction, just wide in front of her, engulfing the gibble. And the gibble this gibble is just like <laughs> Jammy just looks at Gibble and he goes, You can give as good as you get, Dragon Rage! And this time, Bo- Boomer's got to do an innovation check. Oh, uh, she's got a f- uh, 15. Yeah, it passes. Ooh, it's close. 26 dragon damage hub. Okie dokie. Takes it like a boss. And like a boss. As Gibble shoots out this purple flame that catches Boomer off guard slightly because she you know, passes the evasion check. But it just like hits her in the cheek and bounces off. And Boomer just looks back at Gibble afterwards and just lets out a snort of smoke. And then Gibble just erupts in flames <laughs> and passes out from the burn damage. Oh, it's half, half, the, half again as well because he was burned. So Gibble, Gibble's down and um, Jammy just sinks to his knees and he's like, No! Boomer, like, with her wing, just, like, wipes dirt off her shoulder. Like a bit of ash. Pratchett taking the earthquake from the trap inch and seeing it in such close vicinity to it now almost gives a little smirk. Turns his head back to Felix and gives him a a little look, quite a sincere look in his eye. Felix gives a little smirk back, nods his head and goes, you know what to do, Pratchett. Let's end this. Woodhammer. So we're going to just absolutely try and obliterate this. Poor, poor trap inch <laughs> with a wood hammer. <laughs> so, Pratchett is going to lunge forward. Fun just curb stomping. And with a 22, I imagine is going to hit. That'll do it, Johnny. That'll Beat do it. Down. So, Pratchett le- leaps forward rather than the direct sort of shoulder tackle that it normally does. It kind of just rears up. Uh, Pratchett rears up on his back two feet and just kind of slams down with his front feet directly on top of the trap inch and it will do 26 grass damage doubled to 54 and when the smoke no 52 sorry and when the smoke clears from the impact there is just a small trap inch head sticking out the ground (laughs) it's it's, it's eyes swirling away 
and Tammy just, his bottom lip just starts to go. <laughs> Both Tammy and Jammy withdraw their Pokemon and before you can react, have bolted it <laughs> down the path further into the valleys. I was going to say the line from Home Alone. <laughs> so, I'm going to give you the till the count of ten to get you no good keisters off my property. <laughs> One, One, two, two ten. ten. <laughs> so, for beating Tammy and Jammy, uh, Boomer and Pratchett are going to get 5,350 XP each. Wow, Kicking the teeth. Boom. So Pratchett just levelled up. He has, yeah. Oh, oh nice. sick. You only, yeah, you only need like 1.4k to level up. So Pratchett is now level 15. Not too much changes in terms of feats or anything like that. It just gets, I'm sure Coates will be pleased to know, a little bit more of a damage bonus on his attacks. Ooh, nice. Okay, so the little girl with bright blue hair comes over, wiping away her tears. She's like, thanks, misters. Those two are always picking on me. Chuck's like, yeah, no sweat. You're welcome. We've dealt with little craps like that before. Anyway, where, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Ryutani Village. Tell isn't that where you're? Isn't that where you're heading? Is it? I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot to mention that you had a chat with Takeshi and <laughs> a big sounds like important point information. And Cherry at the end of the last episode, and they told you you were going to Ryutani Village. They did. Yes. Yeah, you're right. I do yeah. remember. Just so like, oh yeah, great. That's that's where we're heading. Actually, we'll take you back there. Okay. Well. What's your name? Do you know where you're going? No. Do you, well, do you want me to take you? <laughs> yeah, you take us. <laughs> she laughs and wipes away a tear and says, oh, I'm Amber. And as she introduces herself, the little Pokemon pops its head out of her like jacket that she's been hiding it in and staring at you both with its big eyes and fluttering the small wings on the side of its head, your Pokedex pings. Dratini, the dragon Dratini sheds its skin as it grows, often doing so while hidden behind large, powerful waterfalls. That's a sick entry. Felix drabs the Dratini and punts Amber off the side of the cliff. (laughs) 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 She hits the river and just drowns instantly. (laughs) She can't swim. I joke, of course, I joke. See, in season two, when I say something like that, I won't be joking. <laughs> no, I'm like, but no, Jack, oh, roll, roll, play that out. <laughs> Chuck says, "Hey, hey, little guy, nice to meet you, Amber. This is, I'm Chuck. This is Boomer." He gestures over at Charizard, who's still got his back towards her, back towards him. Just phew. Amber looks up at Boomer and starts like, goes to like pat Boomer's neck, and Boomer just like turns around softly and lets her do it. And uh, she's like, "Oh, who's a good girl?" <laughs> she like lowers her head. Yeah, gets a little scratch. Right, Felix yeah. will also introduce himself to Amber during this, just so it's not awkward. Not not like previous episodes. Felix is behind the bridge. Felix is just sort of dusting Pratchett down as well, just sort of patting him on the on the head and going, "Great job, buddy. I've never doubted you." And he turns to Amber and says, "Nice to meet you, Amber. I'm Chuck's travelling pal. My name's Felix, and this is Pratchett." Oh, hi, Felix. Hi, Pratchett. And she gives Pratchett a little nuzzle on his shelly shelly head <laughs> shelly head I can take you to the village if you want like it's where I live I know where it is do you want to follow me lead the way yeah let's go the sun's coming down you don't want to be out too late so Amber crosses the bridge and 
you go in the same direction that Tammy and Jammy fled in, which is down a path on the opposite side of the river amongst all the rubble. And you head in that direction and you follow Amber for about 15 minutes, following a twisting and turning path until you turn a corner and see a large grey mountain that stretches high up into the sky so that the clouds cover the top of it. At the base of the mountain stands a 10-foot wall that seems to be surrounding some sort of village made out of the same grey stone. In the middle of the wall stands two large open stone doors marking the entrance. Do we kind of recognise this place? I would say from what you can see at this current time, no. Okay. Okay. Let's continue on through the doors. Okay, so as you approach the gate, there are two guards standing with spears, dressed in some kind of armour made of leather and bone. They each have a large Pokemon standing at their side. One with a brown skeletal-like body, with a large flat half-circular head, with a point on each side and two small eyes on the front. At the end of each of its arms are two sharp-looking sides, and your Pokedex pings... Kabutops, the fossil Pokemon, and the evolved form of Kabuto. With sharp claws, this ferocious ancient Pokemon rips apart its prey and sucks their body fluids. Well, that's dark. <sighs> I thought the Pokedex readings had got a bit too light recently. We went through for this one. <laughs> the second Pokemon is a large blue and yellow scaled Pokemon with two long black claws that make up most of its arms and a long spiky tail. It has an oddly large plated neck with three red-tipped white feather-like appendages coming from either side, and your Pokedex pings are Maldo, the plate Pokemon, and the evolved form of Anorith. Armaldo can withstand any attack with its hard shell, and is thought to have been able to break even stones with its powerful claws. And as you get closer, the two guards take a defensive stance, and their Pokemon block the way with the claws and sides. Halt! We've had reports of two strangers attacking some of the kids from the village. Fitting your description. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Deal with the consequences. Chuck looks at Amber and just pushes Amber in front of him. Amber stumbles forwards and looks up at the two guards, uh, who instantly relax as they see Amber. And they say, Amber, what are you doing with these two strangers? Chuck steps forwards and says... Those two kids were bullying Amber here, trying to chuck her in the river by cutting off the, one of the bridges. So all we were doing was saving her. You're welcome. Amber sort of like nods, and Dratini jumps out of her jacket and hits the floor, and can't put its arms on its side, but it, you can tell like it's given them a stern nod. <laughs> like, hmm, yeah, Dratini. Dratini, Dratini. <laughs> Dratini. Dratini. The two guards seem to relax, and they raise their spears as Kabutops and Amaldo step aside. And one of them just says, Oh, Tammy and Jammy. Those two troublemakers need sorting out, if you're asking me. And the guards step aside and let you into the village. So, Ryutani Village is situated at the base of a large mountain. And it's made of a smooth grey stone taken from the mountains around it. The architecture is very clean and detailed, with lots of statues of Pokemon incorporated into the buildings, as well as fancy patterns carved into the stone. As you enter the city, you both feel a twinge in your forearms. 
It's like a strong itch that just doesn't seem to want to go away. And Amber sort of stops a few paces ahead of you and turns back and is like, you two okay? Jack just, without saying anything, looks at Felix and just sort of looks down at his arm. Yeah, Felix Felix notices the glance, gives him a, a slight nod. I, I think probably by this point, we're used to these twinges, so we're kind of, you know, okay at covering them up. So Felix yeah. just turns back to Amber and goes... Yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Uh, just a, a little tired is all. We've been on the road for quite a while now. Okay. Well, my house is on the other side of the village. I'm sure my mum and dad won't mind if you come over for some dinner or something. Seeing as you help me out on the bridge, there's normally loads of food left over because my sister's busy and she's always really late. <laughs> so is this village quite small? Is it? Is there it's, sort of like... No, it's really big. Right, okay. Wow, cool. okay. It's a Do large, see... large village made of stone. Large village made of stone. With a massive, like, wall that goes all the way around it. Okay, so it's heavily fortified. Do we At the see... base of the mountain. Do we see sort of any familiar indicators of a normal village? Like, is there a mart and a Pokemon Center or anything like that that we can see? Not from where you're stood in the entrance. Felix says to Amber, That sounds just lovely. Thank you. Is there... A Pokemon Center around here. We just need to make sure everybody in our parties is okay. Amber looks at you like really weird, and she's like, "A Pokemon Center? What's a Pokemon Center?" Felix shoots a look back at Chuck at this point, knowing that he'll be a bit even more perplexed than Felix is at, th- at this statement. At hearing that, Chuck's um, head almost does like the knock to Aldris. Goes like <laughs> ninety exorcist. degrees and like, "What do you mean? What's a Pokemon Center?" Where have you been living all these years? Amber just... Under a rock? Amber just bursts out laughing. And she's like, of course it's a Pokemon Centre. It's like the 25th <laughs> century. <laughs> well, buildings might be made of stone, but we're not like animals. Christ. <laughs> At that point, Chuck's belly lets out, out like a massive audible growl. And he's like, yeah, dinner would be great. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay, so Amber leads you through the village streets. And as you head down what seems to be one of the main sort of streets... You see every building is made from the same stone, even the Pokemon Center. Although someone has clearly painted its roof the usual color of red so that it stands out among the other buildings. A flashing P still stands above the entrance with its neon lights. Next to the Pokemon Center is a smaller building with a blue painted stone roof and a Pokemart sign that hangs next to the entrance. You keep following Amber and she's pointing out different parts of the village to you, but it all seems to just go over your head like a really boring child tour guide. And that's where I did this, and that's where I did this, and I go to school over there. Those kind of things. And just a little further on, a man stumbles out of a large wooden door with cheers and laughter coming from behind him. A sign above the door says, The Babbling Bagon. (laughs) With a picture of a small blue creature with a large snout and three grey ridges on the top of its head that continue to cover all the way down its back. Amber leads you right to the back and the far end of the village, right under the base of the mountain. The buildings open up into like a large square with a fountain in the middle made from statues of stone. At the far end of the square, built into the mountain, are four tall pillars that hold up an entrance to the base of some sort of opening. In the middle of the four pillars is a symbol shaped like a skull with a long round snout and a horn coming out of its forehead. Amber sort of points to the left and says, my house is just over there. 
and she starts to walk over to one of the groups of larger houses on the left side of the square. Chuck's taking it all in, taking in the scenery and the fountain and everything like that. We'll we'll continue to follow her, guided almost by Chuck's growling stomach at this point. <laughs> Felix just points to the big opening with the four pillars, with with a bit of an idea in his mind of what it is. Because what's uh what's that building there? Oh, that's the gym, the Pokemon gym, not one for working out. That'd be silly. Oh, not one of Mr. Jim's gym. Who's Jim Jim? Felix, Felix just gives Chuck a little elbow in the ridge uh, in the ribs and goes, Ah, uh, no, just a uh, just a little joke from my friend here. That name's nearly as silly as Tammy and Jammy. Tammy and Jammy. <laughs> Amber opens up one of the wooden doors to one of the houses and steps inside. Now, the inside of this house doesn't match the exterior at all. And it's almost like you've crossed it between two worlds as you see the modern-looking open-plan house with bright lights, comfy furniture, and a large TV attached to the wall above the stone fireplace. Next to the door is a large picture hanging on the wall with Amber sitting on the lap of a kind, smiling-looking woman with long blue hair. Next to them is a roundish man with a beaming smile, the top of his head bald with brown hair wrapping round from ear to ear. In front of the man is a teenage girl who looks oddly familiar, not just because she looks like a grown-up Amber or slightly younger-looking version of the other woman, just familiar. How much do we remember from the Dreamwalk? All of it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Have we been sort of formally invited into the house? No, Amber just sort of left the door open when she walked in. Felix is sort of taking the this scenery, but he's not actually entered the house yet because he's not been invited. He's like a vampire. He doesn't enter unless he's been invited in somewhere. <laughs> Chuck had just walked in behind Amber. Chuck's <laughs> just Chuck heard dinner and went, yes. Yeah, Chuck <laughs> could smell the dinner like in the pot. So Chuck says to Amber, so your your sister, how old is she? Uh, Sky, she is older than me by a what? So I would say maybe like 18. Oh, for Chuck. Nah, a bit too old for you, Chuck, mate. Yeah. <laughs> no, God loves a try. But she looks at you and she goes, but I'm only eight. Chuck <laughs> 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 just ignores that comment and says, so, um, so where are your parents? <laughs> she turns to you and says, where are my parents? Where's, where's Felix? Felix yeah, is Chuck at the door. like, Felix, I'm in a silly prick. <laughs> Felix ignores the, ignores the prick of this comment and sort of sees that he's being welcomed in. Um, despite it being quite a big house, I'm going to withdraw Pratchett, however, as he is a big old boy. We'll get, uh, we'll bring Inky out. Inky's nice and small. When Inky appears, Dratini like shits itself. <laughs> and just like high, like literally crawls up Amber's back and up the back of her jacket, and you can just see like its little eye just poking out the side of her like her top, where it's just like just resting on her neck, just like absolutely terrified. <laughs> Chuck kind of goes over to where the food's cooking and says, "Hey, let let me help out with this." Withdraws Boomer and says, "Get a good rest, girl." Mako, come on out. So Mako like obviously feels great in this kind of surroundings but then just starts starts getting to work on the kitchen straight away and all of a sudden from behind you you hear a voice a woman's voice say uh get that thing away from my cooking thank you very much <laughs> and you turn around to see the older woman from the picture 
stood behind you carrying ingredients in the kitchen. And Amber's just like, Chuck, what the fuck? Mum's cooking. Just leave it alone. Just mess it up. Mako bows, recognising, you know, what rank in the kitchen. She's like, how may I assist? The woman turns around, looks at Amber and's like, Amber, are these, uh, I'm guessing these are friends of yours. She's like, yes, Mum. They they helped me out on the on the road. They stopped me from getting beaten up by Tammy and Jammy again. Amber's mum just sort of sighs. She's like, Tammy and Jammy again? When will those boys learn? And then you hear like a little booming voice from upstairs as you hear a loud patter of feet coming. It's like, boom, 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 boom. And uh, well, well, Amber, looks like you've brought home some more strays. And the older balding man appears at the bottom of the stairs. He's like, what's that I hear about Tammy and Jammy? Amber's mum's just like, I've got the... You know what? I've got... I want to march around their parents' house and give them a piece of my mind. At this point, Chuck says, I, I don't think we really need to worry about them. They're not really a threat anymore. And she turns back to you and goes, uh, well, just remember that you don't live here and actually my daughter does. And once they've healed up their Pokemon after whatever you did to them, they'll probably come back for her. Will you be here? Probably not. So I'll tell you whether they're going to be a problem in future, young man. Felix has taken about four or five steps back at this point, back towards the door. And it's just a bright crimson. Chuck had backed into Felix as well. <laughs> we're, all, we're both just bundled into the corner. The man's like, now, now, Chris. It seems like Chuck and Chuck, Chuck and Felix. Did I hear it right? Did I hear it right from upstairs? Yeah. I don't know if it, yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like these two taught them a lesson. And yes, you're right. They might not be around, but you know, bit of training. Amber and Trattini should be able to hold their own in the future. Calm down. I'm hungry. Let's crack on. And uh, Amber's mum, Chris, just like, oh. Yes, I guess you're right. Maybe I am just, you know, jumping the gun. I'm just fed up with those two boys. And I really hate their mum. She's a bitch. <laughs> the man stretches his hand out to both of you and he says, Right, I'm Thomas. Nice to meet you. This is my wife, Chris. And welcome to uh, welcome to our house. I'm sure Amber's already invited you for dinner, which is, you know, why you're here. But you're welcome to stay for dinner. Have a little chat. Relax. Let your Pokemon out. House is quite large. Get them all out. Doesn't matter. Not all of them. And, uh, Chuck says, Felix, not all of them. Felix raises an eye around and goes, definitely not all of them. He catches the drift and he's like, oh, okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Unless you've got a lake out back. Ah, uh, no, we don't have one of those. <laughs> there aren't many lakes in these parts, in you know, mountains. Mountains have lakes. Anyway, <laughs> you're welcome to stay for dinner. If you're lucky, your other daughter might even uh, make an appearance at some point. At which point, Chris sort of butts in, she goes, hmm, I don't think she will dear her and the others have been helping officer jenny scout the local area apparently there have been some troublemakers spotted near the village thomas just laughs he's like ah, well more for me then i guess he obviously hasn't caught chuck's eye on how hungry he is <laughs> chuck, <laughs> yeah chuck had been reaching for the uh had it, had it been plated up at this point or no not yet he turns to chris and thomas says thank you for having us and i really appreciate it and uh and then he says what what was that you said about troublemakers Oh, there have just been some reports of some troublemakers in and around the area. Quite a lot of the guards help out Officer Jenny. They've just been scouting around. I don't know. Could just be rumours. Could be someone who's lost. We do get quite a few people who stumble around the mountains, get lost. But, uh, yeah, there's quite a lot of them out there looking. So maybe it is a bit more serious than uh, 
them they're letting on. Felix exchanges a bit of a look with Chuck at this point, making a mental note that maybe once we've got fed, we can go and offer our services. I don't know how he exchanges that much information in a look, but he does. It's a single eyebrow raise and a, a nod of the head. <laughs> Chuck's just like, you want to eat meat now, Felix? <laughs> oh, okay. Amber sort of like grabs your arm and pulls you over to a large stone table in the kitchen. And the smell of freshly cooked food just fills your nostrils. Thomas and Chris bring over a selection of dishes and spread them out around the table, telling you to dig in and pointing out the veggie options for Felix. <laughs> Potato. Thomas beams at you with a mouthful of food and is like... Like, and asks, So what brings you two to this part of the Ume region? We don't get many visitors except those looking to challenge the gym. Chuck has got, like, the bowl is pretty much covering his face, so he's got bowl chopsticks, and he's just like, mm, 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 and he just, like, nods over to Felix and says, You tell him. <laughs> Felix is kind of grazing, is probably the best word, just eating what, what's there. It's very, very tasty, but he's obviously being very polite. Obviously understanding that Amber's taken us in and these these people seem very nice. He still doesn't want to give too much away as to, you know, their their overall mission. So it's like, yeah, my my pal and my pal Chuck and I here and our, our teams, we've been uh, we've been doing the gym challenge when this is the last uh, the last stop on our uh, on our adventure. Thomas sort of like takes a big swallow. Your last gym. Well, you've come to a tough one here. Sky's the gym leader here, and she is one of the toughest trainers around. So you're going to have to bring your A game if you want that last badge, lads. Felix smirks at Chuck and goes, I think we're ready for the challenge. Well, how hard could it be? We held our own against red and blue, you know. <laughs> Thomas just sort. Thomas just laughs. He's like, ha, yeah, sure you did. Well... <laughs> If there's anything you want to know about the area, me and my family have been in these parts for pretty much since the start of its village itself. Uh, I'd be happy to show you around. Chuck finishes his bowl and basically licks the bowl clean and puts it like settles it down with a clatter. He says, "Oh, God, yes, I needed that." And says, "So, so how come no one's ever really heard of this village? Do you kind of just keep it a bit of a secret?" Um, I wouldn't say it's a secret. We get plenty of people coming here. I just think because of the... Uh, well, no, they have to know where it is because, you know, it's the, the eighth gym. gym. Yeah. So... Oh, yeah. He just looks okay. and he goes, people do know where this place is. They'll, get, they'll come here all the time. Moron. Ask a better question. <laughs> You've been here more or less since the village began, so it can't be too old then. Um, The village down here itself is quite old, actually. We're it's about a thousand years old. Um, obviously we've done some modern improvements to the inside of most of the buildings but the outsides have held up quite well um, but no my people used to live in the mountains before then why these mountains in particular? that I can't tell you that's just where we grew up why uh, Why did people live in the desert? why did they live in the misty islands? the, the locals left their mountaintop homes a long time ago and they settled here at the base of the mountain it's a bit more practical to live on the ground Especially as time moved on. Makes sense. Is there anything kind of left up there? or? Yeah. There's old ruins of the old city, actually, at the top of this mountain. But no one's really allowed up there anymore. It's quite dangerous. Uh, plus, the, the Pokemon up there are not used to seeing humans. And they're quite strong, too. <laughs> Why did everyone move down? Just for convenience? or? Yeah, basically. 
It was a mixture of convenience, moving with the times. I guess back in those days, it's not like they had like electrics or anything. So everything was hoiked up to the top of the mountain. You save a lot of effort if you can just move to the bottom of the mountain. Yeah, fair enough. Thomas is very happy that you're intrigued. He's reacting <laughs> well to your questions. He likes two young Good. lads who are trying to learn a history. So what else can you tell us about the village? The village down here? Well, yeah. it's... Uh, incredibly old, made from stone. Most of the exteriors of the buildings haven't been changed in the last thousand years, which is actually quite Just interesting. Like nodding along, the, sensing that Thomas is liking the enthusiasm. The red, the only things we've really changed are probably the Pokemon Center. It was a big debate on whether we actually let them painted their roof red because a lot of the locals didn't want to change the, you know, aesthetics of the, like, original town itself this was a couple of hundred years ago but in the end you know the pokemon center they needed to be able to be present for other trainers as well so we let them change their roof and then of course the pokemart was all like well if they can change their roof why can't we change ours so the pokemart is also allowed to change the color of its roof but apart from that nothing has really changed um so yeah, it's one of the most, uh, in my opinion, one of the more interesting places in the entire of the Yume region. That and some of the, uh, you know, some of the older places, like in the Misty Islands, I actually quite think they're quite nice as well. But uh, no, for me, this is home, and I think this is uh, one of the most impressive places in the entire country. Chuck's like, yeah, I definitely agree. You've got the mountains, you've got, you know, kind of a bit of everything, really. You've got the old old architecture. I'm glad you changed the roof as well, because, you know, Pokemon Zeds are kind of a world-renowned brand. I am a joy, you know. Oh, a joy. Rough as his hair. Don't see many of you. Did they throw you out when you were born wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, something like that. Felix had just been listening and sort of, uh, again, sensing Thomas's enthusiasm, has been nodding along the whole time. He goes, thanks, Thomas. That's been really helpful. Is there a museum or anything in, in town where we can learn even more? There used to be a museum, but unfortunately, because of the nature of all the travellers coming to the village really just going for the Pokemon fights and the gym, they, they didn't really get much business, so it kind of got shut down and turned into a cafe quite a long time ago. Oh, that's a shame. That's sad. I know. I could have worked there. It would have been great. <laughs> Felix Chuckles and goes, I think you would have been great, Thomas. Chuck puts, oh, Chuck puts his hand on Thomas's like shoulder. You too. Amber, you can you can bring these two round more often. Chris has <laughs> just stood there just like, oh for God's sake, Thomas. Enabling. <laughs> Chuck turns to Thomas and says, Hey, you might actually know this. So, I mean, growing up, I was always told a, it was a little bit of a, a fairy tale, and um it was about the kind of the mountains in this region, and there was like this underground lake of sorts. I don't know if you've heard anything like that. Thomas picks up his napkin and cleans the sides of his mouth. Make a perception check. It's a 16. 16. 16. At a push 17. His mum still buys his trousers. <laughs> no, with a 16 you see Thomas's eyes dart in the direction of Chris. And then he puts his napkin down. He's like, no lakes around here, lads. If you want lakes, I think Sinnoh's the uh, Sinnoh's probably the place for you. Just mountain ranges. There might be the odd waterfall here and there, but just mountain ranges. Oh, I like waterfalls. Where can we find those? Oh, in the mountains around. There's quite a few of them. I think he's lying. Well, you can roll insight. Yeah, I think he's lying. I'm going to do an insight check. It's a 17. You One better. You definitely get the impression that he's not telling you the truth. Mm. On this line of questioning, Felix shoots a glance to Chuck just to try and be like, 
be cool. Like, let's not try and, you know, not trying to push it. Because, it's not a confrontation. No, th- these people are, we don't want them to get suspicious. Yeah, they've let us into their home, they've fed us. So Chuck says to Thomas, oh, yeah, fair enough. Like like I said, it was probably just a like a weird fairy tale my mum made up. But anyway, so so back to back to Sky in the gym. So you said she's pretty tough. I mean, if we wanted to go do some training, maybe up in the mountains, is that something that we can we can do, or is it just a no go for people? Uh, no, you can definitely go train in the mountains. It just be advised on which mountains you go to. Some of them have really really strong Pokemon in there. Um, <laughs> this one that overlooks the village, say with our old town that's completely off bounds to anybody down here no one's really been up there for a while and those that have it's not been pretty when they've come back so yeah feel free to look around the mountain range the valleys and all of those just be careful where you're going if you see any big strong pokemon maybe turn around and run so Felix at this point he's kind of just been listening and, and nodding along obviously as we know Felix isn't necessarily the most talkative to people that he doesn't know so he's just been listening in and trying to piece together any any clues he's finished up his plate and he turns to Chris and Thompson and goes that was delicious thank you so much for your hospitality he sort of like looks at Chuck and sort of does a trying not to make it obvious just sort of like stretches out and does like a little <sighs> Oh, we've uh, we've been on the road for for quite a while now. I, I don't know about you, Chuck, but I could do with getting some shut eye. Would you mind just pointing us in the direction of the the Pokemon Center, and we can get a room for the night? Chris smiles and puts down her like napkin as well. It says, "Of course, boys, follow me." And she sort of takes you to the front door, which she opens, and she like just points you in the rough direction of the street you came down, and um. Amber sort of comes with her with Dratini's like, bye guys, thanks for helping. If you ever need anything, you know where we live. <laughs> Chuck's like, bye Amber, bye Thomas. Bye guys. Just here from the kitchen <laughs> with another mouth full of food because he's seen that Amber's left some. <laughs> bye guys. <laughs> nice to meet you. Cool. At this point, yeah, Felix and Chuck are just well, Felix, anyways, is just kind of walking away, waving, saying, you know, thanks, thanks, guys, thanks, guys. And as soon as he kind of, they get far enough away that they can't hear us, and I guess the door's been shut at this point, Felix turns to Chuck and goes, there's definitely something here that they weren't letting on to. Chuck just says, that barefaced liar. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was lying. Didn't want to confront him at the time. I think, I mean, we're, we're not, you're not really tired, are we? We're not going to bed yet. No. Felix looks at his watch. What, what sort of time is it at the moment? Like eight o'clock. Perfect. Felix, yeah, looks at his watch and goes, of course not. You know the one place we can always find some information in the new town, don't you? And I don't know about you, I could do with a drink. We need to find some people with maybe a little bit more loose lips. There's uh, there's definitely more that, more than meets the eye around here. Agreed. To the babbling bay gone. Okay, so you head back <laughs> to the up... Peter. <laughs> you head back up the street towards the babbling bay gone. And as you open up the wooden door and walk inside you realize that the babbling bagon is the first building you've seen that actually matches its stony exterior with its interior nice. chairs tables booths all made from the same stone as the bricks on the outside of the building the familiar looking barkeep stands behind the stone bar cleaning the same glass with the same dirty rag but he seems to be in deep conversation with a small blue pokemon who is jumping up and down 
animatedly on the bar waving its tiny arms around. As much as it can do anyway. The babbling Bagon seems quite empty, with only a few older gentlemen sitting around one of the stony tables, which is full of empty glasses. Of course, Flash and Poff are both on the opposite side of the room. Poff, <laughs> Poff is on his knees looking at one of the wheels that's fallen off his car, and Flash is standing over him pointing at the car and the wheel. Poff does not look happy with him. Just looks like Flash has been super unhelpful, as always. Do Flash and Poff see us? Uh, at the moment, no. They're just sort of... Poff's in the middle of having a go at Flash, and Flash is just like, all right, all right, well, I didn't know it was going to fall off, did I? <laughs> Felix, yeah, turns to Jeff and goes, they seem like they're in a bit of a lover's tiff. Let's leave them to it for now. Yeah, I'm sure they'll still be there when we, when we need them. Oh, I don't know. Oh. oh, I don't know. They're moving on. They might yeah, move on. You know, for is the amount of times you've turned around and they've not been in the pub. Zero? Yeah. <laughs> Felix being a little bit more weirdly for a 10-year-old, being relaxed in a tavern, goes, go on then, I'll get you something. What are you drinking? As we approach the bar, he kind of says, what are you drinking a bit loudly to get the barkeep's attention. The barkeep stops talking to the little blue Pokemon, which turns towards you and starts rapidly talking in your direction or talking making noises in your direction babbling high on its tiptoes waving its small little arms on the air and you recognize the pokemon as the same as the one on the side of the tavern and your pokedex pings bagon the rockhead pokemon because bagon dreams of being able to fly it regularly practices by leaping off from cliffs Lemming. Lemming. <laughs> Lemming. Uh, and the barkeep looks at you, clocks as you coming over and goes, Oh, hello there, young trainers. Can I interest you in a beverage? We have a wide selection of drinks and, well, both the barkeep and the bacon lean in a little closer. <laughs> For a little extra, I might even be able to give you a little summit summit. Does the bacon just fall off the counter at this point? Oh, yeah. He, ju- <laughs> he, he jump, jumps off flapping his wings and then just reappears at the top again. (laughs) There is a menu on the bar that you see once the bacon jumps off that says, uh, Welcome to the Babbling Bacon. Every hour is happy hour. Get two for one drinks for only 200 po yen. And then beneath it, it says Dragon's Breath, Fire Whiskey with a mixture of your choice, Winged Beast Ale, a nice refreshing pale ale or moo moo milkshakes choose from your flavour of choice yes 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 Tuck's feeling uh, a little bit fruity he said I'll have a uh, get out of my head I was about to say Felix is feeling a little bit fruity a little bit fruity (laughs) yeah both feeling a little bit fruity (laughs) tell you what I'll have a shot of dragon's breath in a moo moo milkshake that's what I was going to do that's what you were going to have two of those exactly what I was going to do two of those (laughs) but yeah Felix's reaction is exactly the same as mine there. Felix, he kind of swivels on his stool and looks at Chuck and goes, I think we've been spending too much time together. That's exactly what I was going to order. Chuck's like, oh, God, I hope I'm not turning into you. Felix sort of smirks and slides 500 po yen over to the barkeep. So 200 each, aren't they? Happy hour. Happy hour. You've just given him a $300 tip. Okay, I no, so oh, th- I'll, oh. I'll, give him, I'll give him 300. That's a big summon, yeah. summon. No, I'll give him 300. So... Okay. 200 for the drink and 100 for the little something something you take he, the change back he, he watches <laughs> like, you uh, try uh, to work it out and his eyes light up and then he sees you pocket the extra 200 and he's like oh <laughs> oh 
okay, Felix, Felix notices and goes, well, if, if you're something something as good as you're implying, then maybe this extra 200 might be coming your way. Or we'll just buy more drinks. Well, in that case, roll a d6. Oh, five. So the barkeep leans in close and he says, oh, wow, I've got something interesting here. So my other barkeeps tell me that something big is going on across the Yume region. It seems that some of the more notable trainers in the region are all on the move, as though they've all been summoned somewhere. Just imagine what a group of trainers like that could do if they all got together. Oh yeah, like who? Like the notable trainers. (laughs) Name one. That's their collective name. Have you heard of Ian? (laughs) (laughs) These mysterious berries? Uh, the, the berry guy with the toxicrow couldn't even handle a turtwig. <laughs> couldn't even handle a turtwig. Warren? Warren. Oh my god, what the fuck happened to Warren? You I fucking tell him. He was a gym leader in training and he absolutely whomped us. He, le- was, he was supposed to be a recurring challenge throughout the entire thing and he got left <laughs> behind. He, he was um, in the haunted house and that was probably the last time we saw him, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh god, he must be dead in the desert. <laughs> R.I.P. Warren. You just um, you just slip it into like a little newspaper that we walk past at some point. <laughs> Obituary. Gym leader in training found dead. Gym leader in training found dead in desert. Got trapped with a rock under his arm. The barkeep looks at you and he goes, have you ever heard of Monty? Monty? What, the Greenwood gym leader? Yeah, well apparently he's left Greenwood Town and gone somewhere on his travels. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm. Yeah. It, have we got any contacts in Greenwood Town? No, we don't anymore, do we? No. Monty. No. Monk Wong. Well, the bartender stands up straight and he goes, well, that's all the cheddar you're going to give. That's all the cheddar you're going to get. Felix takes a swig of his drink, sort of hiccups and coughs. And sort of <coughs> you're done, Chuck. Chuck takes a sw- uh, first swig of his uh, his dragon breath, Moomin milkshake, hits him in the back of the throat a bit, like the sort of the uh, cinnamon whiskiness of it. And he burps, and as he burps, a little bit of flame actually comes out as well. He's like, what <laughs> is this? Takes 100 po yen from his wallet. Holds it to the barkeep, but he keeps his hand on it. He says, ah, make it good. <laughs> Hands it to the bar- barman. The barman takes the hundred and feeds it to the bacon <laughs> and looks back at you and goes, holds out his hand and goes, hey, good. <laughs> Just like, yeah, you got me with that one. Gives him another hundred. Roll a D6. One. Well, the village is on currently on high alert. Because apparently there's news of strangers in dark coats all around the valley and the mountain area around it. Mm. Felix looks at Chuck and looks a little bit concerned, gives him a nod and goes, that's kind of leans into Chuck and whispers and goes, that's the lead we need. I wonder if we can pull on this thread a little bit more. Hearing that, Chuck, he feels a little bit anxious like inside his chest. He's never really felt that way about Team Nightmare before. He's kind of brushed them off as a threat, but they're a serious threat right now. Turns to Felix and says, just in a sort of whispered tone, says, well, that we're in the right place then. Turns back to the barman and says, in the valley? What, what, what's in the valley? Lots of open space, mountains, yeah. places to hide. Lakes? Oh, no, there are no lakes around here. Probably some caves, but there are no lakes around here. Okay. Do you think there's anything that they could be looking for? Is there like, you know, any, like treasure around or something? Like he tries to like fake a bit of excitement. The barkeep swills out one of his glasses and just says, unless they're looking for booze, I'm not interested. <laughs> and unless you're going to keep coughing up, I've got patrons to serve. Chuck looks around. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> really? Yeah, 
He doesn't break eye contact once. He's not looking around at the empty bar. Felix necks his Moomin milkshake. Like when you take, when you're 16 and you take a shot of vodka for the first time and it just burns your throat. He's trying to play it cool, but Shivering. His, his eyes just close to almost Chuck's level and he's sort of like, just trying to hold it in. And then as he tries to speak, just coughs out. Like, <coughs> that was delicious. A job well done, good sir. <clears throat> and he sort of goes, here, a tip for you. And sort of slides... I slide one more hundred over to him and just kind of go, if there's anything else that you could tell us, maybe where these so-called hooded figures are congregating would be much appreciated. He leans in and he goes, if I knew where they were conjugating, then the police and people who were out looking for them wouldn't be looking for them because they'd know where they are. Felix slaps him. <laughs> no, he doesn't really. Takes the money back. Yeah, Felix hasn't let go of the hundred at this point. It's kind of like a bit of a... So Felix has got his hand on one end, the barkeep's got his hand on the other end, and he's like, I don't think that really warrants a hundred poe do you? The barkeep just leans in and goes, this is the most information you've ever got from a barkeep because we don't <laughs> normally answer questions. There's normally someone else in the bar who might be able to help you. And then smiles and goes, would you like another drink? <laughs> Chuck's like the um, the dragon's breath is repeating on him and she just looks at Felix and just like no Felix reluctantly lets no. go of his grip on the on the note and goes they were some fine drinks good sir take that as a tip and he bows an imaginary cap at the same time that the bagon bows and tilts an imaginary cap and then he and falls fe- off the and then he feeds it to the bagon and why is he feeding this bagon money <laughs> It's a real life piggy bag. He's going to get smashed open at some point for all this change. He feeds it to the bagon and goes back to cleaning its glasses. Felix sort of swivels around on his chair and looks at the looks at the bar and the patrons and goes, I don't think there's really anybody in here that's going to be able to help us. Unless our old friend Flash, he's always been in the know. He might be able to point us in the right direction at least. Yeah, if there's nefarious deeds going on, he's usually a good, uh, good hook-up. Flash and... Hoff are still together but Flash notices you first as you walk over and he's like, alright lads fancy seeing you here, although I guess it is the last stop on your gym badge journey so maybe it's not so much of a surprise seeing you here I'll let you into a little secret shall I I spent a lot of time here in this village when I was growing up, I must say it's nice to be back and he takes a big like breath in through his nose you don't get this mountain air anywhere else in the Yume region (sighs) I could almost say it feels like being back home except I don't have a house anyway what can I do you for and he whips that's interesting by the way and he whips open his coat and he is wearing a budgie smuggler you know when you were at a school disco and you had the shirt with flames on it? Nice. Yes. Yeah. That's what's on the budgie smugglers, just those kind of flames. Beautiful. That's a look. And uh, inside his coat, he's got an assault vest, scope lens, jet button, wide lens, and all the usual stuff. 
And Chuck's like, uh, that's, that's not kind of what we're in the market for today, Flash. You, so you grew up here, so you must know the area pretty well. Well, I've explored a little bit in my youth. Did you ever come across any, I don't know, like caves with lakes, like underground lakes, anything like that? Lakes? No. Caves? Lots. It's mountains, quite a few caves. I found some waterfalls, pretty waterfalls, but no lakes. No, sorry, lads. Nothing Can't... behind the waterfalls? Well, rocks. Mm. Caves. Cool. No lakes, though. No. Hmm. But... Did you ever go up to the old, um, old ruins? There must have been some cool stuff up there. I went up there once. Never again, mate. Never again. Why not? I don't like heights. Oh. Is that it? Pretty much. It was a bit boring, <laughs> really. Old city. Now up there. No, no like, there must have been some cool, like, loot and stuff you could have could have had. Well, I don't know. I didn't make it. I looked over the uh, side and I was like, fuck, that's a long way down. And I threw up. I came, <laughs> I came back. I was like, nope, not going up there again. That was horrible. So the barman told us that there was um, some dodgy characters around. I mean, that fits a, a few people's description. As with a rise, rise I smoke. know two dodgy characters myself. <laughs> Bump into them a lot, <laughs> don't I? But they, as with a with a kind of Lampardian transition. Yeah. No, no but seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but seriously. No, but think Team Nightmare are around. Have you have you got any like sniff of what they might be up to? I mean, at this point, lads, I'm not surprised Team Nightmare around. You're quite far into the story. They seem to be following <laughs> you fucking everywhere. No. <clears throat> what? What? I mean, I don't know what they've been up to. I, I've not been that deep in your side of the story, really. So if they're around, they're obviously looking for something. But what? What indeed? What indeed? It's just like pulling fucking teeth. Maybe if you ask the right questions about the ra- <laughs> right part of what you're looking for, you might find the answers, and then you might be able to progress through the story a little bit. But you know, <laughs> if you keep asking the same answers uh, or the same questions to different people, and you get the same answers, then maybe with those questions aren't the right questions. Yeah, exactly. And then he shakes his head and he's like, "Sorry, guy." <laughs> I drifted off there for a second. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> and he starts to open his coat again. No, 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 put it away. <laughs> oh, all right, okay. What can I do you for? So Felix kind of seeing that Poff and Flash are still a bit distracted by the argument they've been having. You can tell, obviously, what can tell that Flash isn't on point with his usual dastardly information. Felix just glances at his watch and realises they've only been in here for sort of 10, 15 minutes. The night is still early. He turns to Chuck and goes... Do you know what? I'm still working through everything that's gone on in the last few days. I mean, I know, well, I think I know you're feeling the same. Another drink or two and a bit of a relax probably wouldn't be the worst thing for us, especially knowing or thinking we know what's to come. You uh, you find us a table. I mean, it shouldn't be too hard. I'll get another drink. Don't know about you, but not another one of those dragon breaths. Wow. Well, I, I was, you know, kind of, kind of ready for another one. Felix chuckles and goes... A dragon breath and a moomoo milk coming right up. You go find us a table. Yeah. Okay. So Chuck's going to sit down directly on the, ta- the table right next to this uh, this group of rowdy gentlemen. Okay. As is the so, way in any, like whenever you're alone in a pub, if you just want some room and you're on a table on your own, someone will always come and sit next to you. We're just being those people. Yeah. Yeah. As you sit down, the group of three older gentlemen erupt into laughter. Their table full of empty glasses. And then one of them shouts, And then she said it looks less like a dragonair and more like a wormpool. 
and the other two just laugh. <laughs> well, what did you say to that? I said, as long as it can still use string shot at my age, she's lucky no matter what she calls it. <laughs> and they all erupt into laughter just as much as I'm sure everybody who heard that also erupted into laughter. <laughs> the, the old gents see you, see Felix walking over carrying the drinks and see that Chuck has placed himself strategically next to them. And one of them turns around and says, Hello there, fine young trainers. What brings you here to our wonderful village? I guess in Europe for a gym challenge. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? You are right. And Chuck points to his headband with his seven badges and said, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So, eight coming up. Ooh, don't count your chickens before you've hatched them. I don't know why everybody's now got this accent because this isn't the accent. <laughs> don't. So it's west, isn't it? No, it's east. Don't count your chickens before you've hatched them. Our sky's a tough one. She'll give you a good fight. No, I don't know if you can handle it. <laughs> and the other one's just like, stop talking so much shit, you don't know anything about Pokemon fights. Dumbass. And then clips him around the head. And then they just start laughing again, because they are pretty drunk. Don't think I can handle it? Well, we'll see about that. So we hear there's some pretty tough Pokemon up in the uh, up in the mountains. So if we were looking to do a bit of training, like how would how can we get up there? Ooh, tough Pokemon. There are some tough Pokemon in the mountains around here. Well, it depends what you're looking for and where you're looking to go. See, the strongest Pokemon are in the old ruined city at the top of this mountain. Well, that sounds good. But it's mighty cold up there. There's not really a lot else up there. I've heard that some of the Pokemon are very strong. Some of them, even too powerful for someone like Sky to handle. Really? Not the kind of place I'd be going, even when I was in my prime. And then one of them laughs and says, In your prime? You didn't even have a Pokemon in your prime. You don't even have a Pokemon now. What are you talking? <laughs> You're rubbish. Of course you wouldn't want to go up there, strong Pokemon. That's not what I heard. I heard that some random trainers made it up to the city and they died and that's why no one goes up there. Died? And then the other guy says, well, I heard from one of the guards that it's just a ruined city, there's nothing up there and it's just falling apart. Apparently, there's nothing much of interest up there. As people are going, as like, oh, well, I heard. It comes back around to Chuck and Chuck's like, well, I heard the route to get up there is behind uh, the back of the gym. Just sort of looks at them one of them the one who said them to correct him hopefully yeah. roll deception it's a natural 18 so that should be uh, good to go 21 yeah he rolled a two <laughs> <laughs> so the one who actually i'm gonna roll it for all three of them and they're drunk another two and a one. <laughs> oh, thank god that wasn't in a fight they all look at you and just laugh and they're just like oh in the gym there's nothing behind the gym that's where the gym is if you want to get up there, there are two ways. The first way, no one would go that way. It's like a two-foot path, and it leads all the way up the mountain. And the second way is to fly. One of the other ones cuts in and goes, but remember, only the Pokemon that are used to flying around these parts can actually fly up there. So their Pokemon aren't going to be able to fly, are they? And the other one's like, oh yeah, you're going to have to set the path. And then the other one's just like, but you could just fly. I mean, like, 
Can we just fly up the You path? just need like experience on flying, don't you? And he's like, no, you've got to know the wind currents. You've got to have experience flying around the mountains. Did you not learn anything in school? <laughs> and then they just start arguing with each other about wind currents and mountain passes and the ability for Pokemon to fly, whether it's actually possible or not, or if it's just an illusion based on the perception of a monster moving its body parts. <laughs> okay, so proper deep drunk talk then. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, chaps, but okay, so path it is then. Where does the path start? He looks and he goes, where does the path start? That is a good question. That is a good question. Where does the path start? And he looks at the other two, and the other two just stare blankly at him, off their head, and one of them just goes, mountain? <laughs> Felix, at this point, he just finishes off the rest of his moo milk. He's, he doesn't tolerate drunk people that well when he's drunk, let alone when he's sort of pretty sober. So he just sort of necks his moo milk, slams it down on the table, looks at Chuck, and then looks at the guys and goes, well, enjoy your evening, gents. It's been, well, it's been something. He just turns to look at Chuck. He kind of goes, <laughs> it's been, and then just doesn't say anything. Yeah. It's been. It's been. Goodbye. It's, it's been a thing. Yeah. Felix looks at Chuck. But he sort of just reaches out an arm and just goes, I know we still both have the same thing in our head about what Team Nightmare did to Pratchett and Boomer. But if we don't figure this thing out, that could be, who knows, everyone's Pokemon. I'm sick and tired of listening to other people and then telling us what to do. We've been in some sticky situations and we've always figured it out. I think let's just go to the base of the mountain. We'll find our own way. Come on, partner. Let's do this. And sort of hands puts his hand out for a Predator handshake. Yeah, Chuck takes Felix's hand, pulls him close and says, come on, let's do this. So, or do we want to go at night or do we want to make like for, at first light it's a good question I think at first light is that's just stupid going at night so Chuck, says, Chuck pulls him close and says come on get some rest overnight at first light we'll head out yeah Felix sort of takes a deep breath and goes yeah you're right you're right good idea let's let's get a room at the Pokemon Centre so you make your way over to the Pokemon Centre and despite the stony outside the inside of the Pokemon Centre is just like all the others with its polished floors, wide open foyer, and a desk at the back with an older Nurse Joy and a Chansey behind it. The Nurse Joy says, Oh, hello, Chuck! And Chuck recognises one of his great aunts. In fact, this one is Gram Gram's sister. <laughs> but she doesn't like being called Gram Gram. She just likes being called Joy. Or Daisy, as Chuck knows her. Or Daisy, as Chuck knows her. Daisy. I like Daisy. you a whole lot. More than that bandit like spooning that robot. She <laughs> smiles at Chuck and says, I had a feeling I'd be seeing you here soon. I can't believe you've already got seven badges. Even my sister's impressed, even if she's not happy about your choice of career. Well, what can I do for you? A room if you've got one, please, Daisy. We'll, um, we won't be in your hair too long. We'll, uh, we'll be heading out pretty early doors. We want to get some training in before we take on Sky. Okay, no bother, no bother. Yeah, there's a room upstairs. Chansey will show you up. And um, she just smiles and Chansey leads you upstairs into a little two-bedded room. Chuck lobs his bag at Chansey. <laughs> Chan- there you go. Chansey... Like, juggling. Wait, throw... Chuck and Felix's... Throw strength. Uh, roll strength. <laughs> Natural 18. <laughs> it's going to be pretty high. It's a... Uh, Dirty 20. Chansey catches the bag and throws it back to you, knocking you off your feet. <laughs> Double edge. Te- and then just stands over you. Boink whip. Just like, no, no, no. No, no, no. And then just walks on. 
goes up the stairs, shows you to this little bedroom, and then leaves you uh, leaves you inside. So you can have a little rest. We'll count it as a long rest. You can fully heal your Pokemon. So you want to go out at first light. Yeah. yeah. What are you gonna go? Well, what are you gonna do, and where are you gonna go? Like as we're sort of coming down, Chuck is kitted out in his sort of snow gear, so he's wearing his Parker coat, his sort of you know, cold gear stuff. Yeah, so Chuck and Felix are kind of discussing this as they're sort of falling asleep and then when they wake up in the morning just to confirm that their plans are still in sync. I think the best plan, I reckon let's go up the path and then if we need to, we've both got Pokemon that can fly as a, you know, if, if we come across a roadblock or a, a problem on the way that we need to get out sharpish, we can fly up. He says, look, I was thinking overnight, I know these guys were saying that you can't really fly without prior history of or knowledge of the mountains, but... We have done it before. We do know the mountains. Felix still rubbing his eyes as he's waking up. Sort of takes a beat hearing this from Chuck and his eyes widen suddenly and goes, Oh yeah, of course, the the, the dream walk. I mean, we or us or somehow, we have been there before. And he immediately sort of returns Inky and I'll pop Momo out says hey girl might need your help here might be tricky but just just trust me okay as, as we sort of said we, he, Felix is still having a little bit of a crisis of confidence after what's happened with um, Pratchett and the, the, the power bracer he's just trying to reiterate to all of his Pokemon that like no I'm still me I'm not going to go after you because obviously they're still they're going to get catch a bit of a vibe kind of thing um, so yeah he just wants to reassure Momo but he turns to Chuck and goes I think we have to ride the winds thinking back about everything that happened there in that dream I think it's the only way Chuck nods and he's stroking Boomer's neck he's um, he's taken uh, the harness away from Pennybacks and he's, he's saddling he's basically fixed it to Boomer uh, across her back and he's just fiddling with some of the reins and everything making sure everything's secure and he turns to her and says I don't know if you remember what I do, girl, but we've we've kind of been here before. Just trust your instinct. Stay relatively low to the ground. And uh, let's just take it slow. Both of your Pokemon just look at you and just give you a very firm nod as they allow you to mount or air bender glider wrap around. <laughs> That's exactly how I ride Momo. She wraps her tail around my waist as like a bit of a seatbelt kind of thing. And I'm just kind of... Nice. Okay. So as you take off, the chill of the early morning air instantly hits you. And as you climb higher and higher, you see the clouds above you getting closer until you pass through the base of them. The clouds are cold and wet, and you can only see your Pokemon as you hold on for dear life. And as you pass through the dark grey mass of air, you finally break through and the early morning sunlight gleams bright above you. As you look around, you see the skyline of the Yume region, but showing only the tallest mountains above the clouds. Mount Coronet, the northern mountains, and even the tips of the great tree can be seen in the distance. Above you, the familiar battlements of the Sky City suddenly appear, and the itching on your arms becomes more of a stinging, and your tattoos start to glow 
at this point, um, Chuck tightens his grips on uh, the reins around Boomer's neck and kind of just glides a bit closer to Felix and just says, stay close, we don't know what's going to be here. Felix just gives a nod back to Chuck. We're in this together, buddy. So as you climb higher and higher, from a distance, the Sky City looks just as impressive as you remembered it from your dream walk. As you get closer, you see the city is lying in ruin, with the outer walls and buildings behind them still showing signs of the great battle that took place there. Where do you want to land? Do you want to land on the battlements? Do you want to land mid-tier? Do you want to land right at the top? Might as well go straight to the top. There's no point going to the bottom or anything, because that's what, if we remember everything, then that all got fucked up. Yeah, I was going to say, just really, wherever there's a clear and obvious landing zone, and basically where we finished yeah i would say i reckon it would be it would be cool to almost like retrace our steps sort of fly over like the battlements sort of fly past mm. the gate fly up the stairs where we sort of fought the, yeah, the reggies cool. and then go sort of go up to where we sort of finished just so we can obviously we can't we can't communicate with each other but it's kind of like a shared experience of yes yeah, it, it's kind of affirmatory to both of us that shit yeah this did actually happen it wasn't just you know in our head it was something that actually yeah. sort of happened can we see like signs of like when we were there so as you fly over the battlements you can see a giant hole at the top of one of the walls where previously it had been blown apart by from what you remember as the well from what you remember the reggies and then you glide over the lower level gate and see that the gate itself has been smashed through around that hole is just blackened molten lava that covers the entrance to the lower end of the streets as you fly higher the wind making your pokemon steady themselves as they glide through the air you look down and you see a familiar looking street with broken buildings either side that show the signs of the battle that you were once part of as you're flying i want you to both make perception check 14 dirty 20. so felix as you're looking down on the city and sort of like retracing the path you took as you were running through the streets you just get a sense that some things down there you don't know what you don't know what it could be if it's okay. a pokemon or anything else you just get a sense that there's something down there but it's nothing like concrete yeah okay as in like i just get a feeling that there's something there or do i sort of see signs of i'd say you see activity? like maybe you just see you see shadows moving down there like the okay. odd one at a glance Almost like you, it's one of those where like you think you've seen something, you double take. Okay. But then when cool. you look there, there's nothing there. I'm guessing Chuck didn't really get the same sense then? No, Chuck failed. As you rise higher over the Sky City, you see the long courtyard that you recognise as the last place you remember being in your dream walk. And you slowly start to descend. Boomer and Momo riding the waves just like they did bef back before one of the Reggies popped up and exploded. Luckily, nothing like that has happened on this <laughs> trip. So far. They drop you off pretty much dead on in the same spot that you were standing all those years ago. And let's go, both of you make another perception check this time. That's better. 21. Six for me that time. 
Okay, so Felix, you can see that the stone ground has a massive crack running all the way through it from where the Reggies started to emerge in your dream walk. And Chuck, you see that, but you also see something glint in the morning light. Something large and still has been placed in the centre of the courtyard that wasn't there the last time you were there. On top of that, for a brief second, you feel like you hear something, like a rush of air, as the light from the sun seems to flicker for a second. Can I do an investigation check on this uh, item in the middle? Yep. 15. So you move closer to this large still thing in the middle of the courtyard. And as you approach, you see that a statue has been erected of two humans and two very familiar looking Pokemon. Clad in armour, with their swords drawn and pointing to the air, they stand in front of a Charizard and a Torterra. And below them, engraved in the stone, is a language you can't understand. But right at the bottom is the same symbol that is tattooed on your arms. Felix holds his arm with the tattoo out to the symbol on the bottom of the statue just to see if there's any reaction like when we were in the Misty Islands when the tablet sort of showed a bit more No, nothing happens to the statue this time. Okay, cool Does uh, Do our, our little phones have a sort of Google Translate? No <laughs> Hopefully like it holds the camera over it Otherwise Cherry would have translated that book mm-hmm. that she found very quickly Oh yeah <laughs> Okay, yeah, like, obviously Felix kind of failed his perception check, so he's he's only really looking at things that are really obvious in front. Is there anything else in the square that's, I guess, really sticking out or jumping out? There's the uh, the, the square backs onto, like, the very top of the mountain where you remember there was an opening. Okay. And is there an opening now? Yeah. There is? Yeah. Chuck says to Felix at this point, whatever the answer is that we're looking for, I think is in there. Felix takes his gaze away from the statue, sort of looks past it into this opening and nods his head and goes, agreed. One more time into the depths? Well, hopefully one more time. So, as you've seen, and as you remember, at the other side of the courtyard is an opening to the mountain that the city is built into. On either side of the opening is a statue of another familiar-looking Pokémon, standing on all fours with three spikes protruding from either side of its head, a long neck and a set of large round wings. And as you get closer, your arms start to burn where your tattoos are. And across the wind from the top of the mountain, you hear a whisper of the voice that has haunted you since your time on Honomukapuni. And the sensation in your arms is now so strong that it stops you dead in your tracks as you both grab your forearms and Momo and Boomer stop and look at you both worried. Then, between you and the cave entrance erupts a torrent of flame and you hear cries from all around you and the beating of wings from above as 10 or more people jump out of the shadows each of them dressed in armour made of bone, a Pokemon by their side. The ground shakes beneath you and pillars of stone burst out of the ground around you. 
trapping you all where you stand before closing in above you, leaving a small enough gap that you can breathe and just about see what's going on. You hear the heavy sound of wings beating as in front of the rock tomb that traps you lands a large blue Pokemon with red wings. Its rider slides off and hidden in the shadows from the tall pillars you can't make out who they are but as they step forwards they seem to stop as a beam of sunlight falls on their face. And through the burning pain of your forearms your mouths drop as a familiar looking woman stands in front of you with her Pokemon, with bright blue hair and wearing armour made from leather and bones, this woman is the spitting image of Sephira. And that's where we're going to finish that episode. Tammy and Jimmy. Bring back Timmy and Jimmy. Timmy and Jimmy. <laughs> and Tammy, they formed an alliance. Timmy, Jimmy, Tammy and Jimmy. Turns out Timmy and Joey and Josephine. Timmy and Jimmy together have controlled Giratina and they <laughs> swoop in at the end. One Spoilers. Pa- Giratina, Palkia and Dialga just all coming in on <laughs> Timmy and Jimmy. <laughs> oh, look. Team Nightmare. <laughs> what a plot twist. What? Can you imagine that's just completely jumped the shark. I mean, that that just... that'd pull some theories in the discussion on the, uh, in Discord, wouldn't it? Timmy and Jimmy is Narciso together, just one big, just together on a trench coat. Yeah, <laughs> with the team nightmare out on top. You, you finally, you finally meet Narciso, and the hood comes down, and they well, t- no, no, the he coat turns opens, around. You just see legs on shoulders. He turns around, and then Jimmy is on top, and Timmy's head's Falls poking over. through the rope. It just goes, "Look, trainers." 